0: Welcome to Single 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. No topic is taboo as we explore and publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. So, are you in? Hello to all my modern women. Today we are back with a bonus episode that I thought would be appropriate given the time of year. But before we jump in, I thought I might take you on a trip down memory lane. It was about just over one year ago when I was going on my second date with someone I had been set up with. The idea was that I would meet him at his place and then we would go out to a bar or restaurant. At this point in time, I had been really struggling with my sleep, so a good friend of mine actually got me onto CBD oil, which if you don't already know, is a popular remedy for things like pain, anxiety, and can help with sleep. So each night before I went to bed, I had about two drops, and I would miraculously sleep through the night. But I remember another friend saying that after a while of using the CBD oil, I should up the amount of drops I have. So like the genius that I am, the night before my date, I decided to have three drops instead of two. The next day when I woke up, I felt like I had been hit by a baseball bat. I was completely whacked. I tried everything to snap out of it. I had a coffee, went for a walk, and a couple of hours before the date, I even had a nap. But literally nothing worked. I actually had plans to stay at my stepdad's the night of the date because he was located where my date also lived, which just so happened to be on the other side of Sydney to me. Because I was a bit nervous before the date, I had a couple of wines at my stepdad's place with some cheese and crackers. I noticed that I got tipsy quicker than usual, but didn't think anything of it because I didn't drink that much. When I arrived at my date's house, he actually had two of his best friends over. We ended up getting along really well and over another couple of glasses of wine, I actually invited them to meet us on the date later. So flash forward a couple of hours and we're all now at the bar together having cocktails and hanging out. Everything seemed to be going really well, but as the night progressed, my awareness of what was going on began to fade. By the time we ended up leaving the bar, I would have had a total of six drinks over the course of the night, but I could hardly stand." Fortunately for me, one of my date's best friends was a girl I got along really well with, and I guess you could say she was almost like steering me back to my date's house with the rest of the group. When we got back to my date's house, all I remember was noticing that there was someone else there who I didn't recognize, but I was too out of it to figure out what was going on. Everything was in slow motion, and I couldn't keep up with what they were all saying. Next minute, all I remember was trying to lay down on my date's bed and thinking, I need to take my shoes off, but I'm too drunk to figure out how and then the next minute after that I had my head hung over his toilet and he was telling everyone to go home luckily my date was a good guy and he walked me back to my stepdad's house where I spent the remainder of the night throwing up What I concluded the next day was that the mix of the CBD oil with the alcohol meant that I essentially roofied myself without realising, which is why I was basically unconscious by the end of the night. And this is just one of countless stories I have where alcohol has gone terribly wrong for me and I've ended the night with my head over the toilet and woken up the next morning questioning my life choices. But more often than not, these stories have taken place on dates, which is super concerning because you're not always sure you can trust the person you're with, particularly when you're passed out. Don't get me wrong, alcohol can be a lot of fun, but how do you know when you've taken it too far? Or you've become too dependent on it? Or what do you do if you wanna give it up but everyone around you still gets drunk each and every weekend for fun? Enter Sobermates. Sobermates is not only a community, it's an educational platform and a place you can go where you explore your drinking habits. Sobermates was created for people that wanna cut down and learn more about their drinking habits without judgment from others. Let's be real. It can seem impossible or even intimidating to be single and sober. Even when I was researching this app, I noticed that some of the most popular searches on the topic include questions like, how do you date if you don't drink? Or how do you meet people without alcohol? And it can seem even harder to quit drinking altogether in Australia when it is so embedded in our culture. But the founder of Sobermates and our guest today is here to change that. Together in today's episode, How to Date Without Alcohol, we discuss why drinking and dating are so thoroughly linked, what dating sober is like, why Australia has one of the most prominent binge drinking cultures in the world, and how to navigate social and romantic situations sober. To all my modern women, I am so excited to introduce to you today the inspiring woman who has created a movement that is shaking up Australia's drinking expectations, the courageous Sam Wilson. Sam, welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. Thank you for having me. So it takes a strong woman to try and shake up Australia's binge drinking culture. Let's start from the beginning. How did Sober Mates come about?
1: So I toyed with the idea of going sober for about 18 months. I was stuck in a binge drinking cycle um, and didn't see a way out because I didn't know how you could still be social and not have a wine in your hand. And it wasn't until a hellish five day hangover after one of my best mates hens parties. I was like, this is it. I'm taking a three month break. I'm going to assess my relationship with alcohol. I'm going to see whether alcohol fits in my life. Um, and I got six weeks in and I was feeling happier than I'd ever been. And I just thought, why wouldn't I want to do this every day? So it was actually at the six week mark where I was like, I'm done. Like, this is it. And then I was like, what now? Like, what do we do? And I want me being me, like I'm an extrovert. I love connecting with people in different communities. So I wanted to go out and find a community that I could connect with. To discuss the tools for giving up alcohol in a booze-centric culture and just chat with other like-minded people like I'd given up drinking in my mid-20s like the peak of our social days and I didn't have anyone to talk to about this and there are some incredible resources in the UK and the US but I couldn't find anything in Australia that really spoke to our binge drinking culture so I decided to create one which is Sobermates. And so, Mates is an online community where we help you explore your relationship with alcohol to make the right choice for you. That is such an amazing story and
0: so relatable. Did you say it was a hens that was the sort of like catalyst for you stopping drinking?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, my best mate's hens party. And I'd actually planned the day. So, I told myself I wouldn't drink till four o'clock and I didn't. But as we were leaving the house, there were some leftover shots and everyone's like, oh, don't worry, Sam will do it. So, I'd, uh, Taken a few too many shots and tried to play catch up, which I don't think works for anyone. No. And it was a very, no, very messy night. Um, you know, I was a menace around town. I was smoking when I don't usually smoke. I'd called up my ex, slept with my ex, shouldn't have on his 30th. Um, so it was just. <laughs> as you like, do. <laughs> as, you, as you casually do. And yeah, woke up the next day feeling really sorry for myself. And yeah, just decided that was it. Like, I can't do this anymore. And um, yeah, changed changed everything.
0: Yeah, I so get that because I went to a friend's hens like two years ago and drank too much and ended up throwing up that night and then just felt awful until like the following Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, So I feel like there are so many women that would relate to that. But how did your friends and family respond when you first told them you weren't drinking anymore?
1: So when I first decided it was only going to be for three months and everyone was really supportive and that surprised me. And they were they were probably too supportive in the sense that, hey, maybe I did have a problem. They're like, oh, this is going to be so good for your mental health. You're going to feel so good. And I was like, why are they saying these things to me? Like they all drink as well. Um, but I think I was taking it to another level and I was that person that was peer pressuring others to drink and constantly looking at my like everyone else's glass at the table waiting for them to finish a wine so I could go order another one so the support was there at the start and then it all changed once I started telling people that it'd be forever and their first comments were oh but you have to have a wine on your wedding day like you have to have a wine on your hen's day I was currently in an off and on again relationship at the time so I was nowhere close to wearing a white dress so it was really hard to hear and and I think it just goes to show how embedded alcohol is to our social occasions, like in our celebrations is that how could you have a wedding day without having a glass of champagne when really if I'm marrying the love of my life, there's no way that I need a a drug when I, I should be just feeling happy and love and joyous on this occasion.
0: Sam, it's so funny that you say that because often I've said to friends and people that I work around, oh, on my wedding day, like, I wouldn't really want to drink that much and I'd be upset if people were taking drugs. And they're like, but of course everyone's going to be drunk and taking drugs on your wedding day. And I'm like, but why? Like, why is that the norm on such, like, an, an important and beautiful day that you want to remember for the rest of your life, right? Like, why should we be completely, like intoxicated.
1: (laughs) There's no way that I'd want to black out and not remember that day at all. Like, I want to be remembering as much as I can. (laughs) Right. And so grabbing a drink seems to be the default first
0: date, right? Like, I read that according to a 2014 survey by the dating app Plenty of Fish, 48.9% of singles reported consuming two to three drinks on a first date. And then there was something like a 36.4% who admitted to having had a drink before they even went on the first date. So I feel like there's a common and major misconception that drinking makes dating easier, right? Mm. And we think that alcohol offers us that little bit of liquid courage or social lubricant to be ourselves. And it's like almost treated like this security blanket. But when I think back, I've had some of the worst experiences of my life on alcohol. So I don't know why we feel like alcohol is this security blanket (laughs) because it's so high risk. But why do you think drinking and dating are so thoroughly linked?
1: Well, I think that like there's two parts to this. First, it's a really easy choice. Like it's so common and easy to pick a date. To, like, hey, let's just go to a bar, and it's a, and it is an easy catch up. Like it's something that we don't have to organize. It's something that's socially acceptable and that's easy. But I think that the second part, the most commonly, is that it does give you that. Du- Dutch courage and, and calms your nerves. So alcohol does change the chemical balance in your brain to chill you out. Um, that also comes with making risky choices and drinking more than you're intended to. So when we do have um, yeah, a wine, it chills out our brain, but our brain then goes into, hey, I want to feel this feeling again. And it starts enticing you to have another drink. So that's why it's really hard when we go out like, oh, I'm just going to have like one or two. And then we end up getting like blind, drunk, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tough one because yes, I, I understand that people do want to use it to chill, but you've, you've got to think of better ways because it's, it's such a downward spiral that, you know, we can end up blackout that we can end up throwing up and making riskier choices than we want to make, uh, than we want to make. And then on the other side is that alcohol gives us this false sense of connection with someone. We may think we've got this deep connection with someone we've just met and everything's going on, going on really really well but when we wake up the next day that like we're like oh what were we thinking like we've got nothing in common with this person it was just the alcohol that was talking.
0: That has happened to me so many times so I'm curious what was dating like for you when you were drinking?
1: It was wild and and (laughs) busy (laughs) I think like if I'm honest I was I was constantly dating um there was always someone on the go, like that I was messaging or, or a date plans. Like I didn't spend a lot of time on my own when I was still drinking Sam and, you drinking know, I've reflected Sam, on that. Drinking Sam. I love that. Drinking <laughs> Sam. You know, old Sam, past Sam. Um, You know, I've reflected on that. I've spent, um, you know, majority of being sober, more single than I've ever been. And that's not saying um, that's a bad thing or that, you know, that, that there isn't anyone to date, but I've just enjoyed my time a lot more. Like I'm not afraid to spend time by myself where when I was drinking, I, you know, it was after the next chase and, or who was chasing me, like there was that um excitement, but in relation to when I was dating and drinking, that, that there wasn't excitement, it was just played up on with drinking. And I was making really poor choices. I was picking people that I know deep down weren't right for me, but I'm like, oh, whatever, I will go out for a drink and we'll still have a good time. And- I I guess that's what alcohol does right It it chills you out to make you think that you're having a good time when when really you're not you wake up the next day like nah, this wasn't right so a majority of my first dates ended up with me being intoxicated thinking there was a connection when it was really booze talking and then yeah waking up the next day realizing that it was a mistake or waking up with someone next to me that wish I hadn't.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I so get that. And that's why in the last five years, I decided that I don't really need alcohol to have fun either. And I've gone through periods where I haven't drunk alcohol for up to a year. And during that time, I obviously went on plenty of sober dates, and I definitely noticed there was a stigma attached to being sober. So what has your experience of dating sober been like?
1: Like Surprisingly, it's been mostly good, but 100% that stigma is still there. Like if we're going to a bar, I'll always tell them that I am sober, but I find that the date's always awkward until I get my sobriety story out of the way. And that's because there's this stigma that if you've chosen or if you're a non-drinker and you've given up alcohol is that you must've had this big rock bottom moment. Like there must've been something horrific for you to say no to something that everyone else is doing. And once I simply explained to them that, you know, I gave up booze to look after my mental health, um, it eases their mind and it means we can move the conversation on because being sober isn't my whole identity. There's so many facets to who I am as a person. But when I'm dating someone new is that they get so stuck on it. Um, you know, especially if they are a drinker and they, they don't, um, they haven't been around people like our own age that aren't drinkers. It's really hard for them to to understand it, but it's it's just that layered complexity with, with the stigma of like, you know, if you're, if you're sober, you're boring. And like, if you're sober, like something, you must've had a rock bottom and all that sort of stuff. And simply like, that's not the case anymore. is that people are looking after their mental health more and looking after their bodies that they're making decisions that are right for them.
0: A hundred percent. And I always tell people I'm actually a lot more fun sober than I am drunk. Like you don't wanna see drunk me on the eleventh hour. No. <laughs>
1: like, no. You know? Not at all. And my oh, stamina is actually Yeah.
0: The disco anxiety. The My stamina is actually a lot better sober. Like, I can stay out a lot longer when I'm sober compared to when I'm drunk. Like, I need to go home by a certain point if I've had one too many drinks, you know? Yeah. But have you ever felt pressured to make them feel at ease by drinking on the date?
1: Not in the sense of drinking. Like, I... I've made the decision that I don't plan on drinking again and that's a choice that I've made for myself. So there's no way that I would drink to make someone feel comfortable. Um, maybe if they're feeling like uneasy that I will say like, I, I genuinely don't mind if people drink around me, that's not triggering for me. So that's as far as it goes like, hey, like if you want to drink, you can drink. Like it's like, I'm not judging you or anything like that. But yeah, there's no way that I would um, yeah drink to make someone comfortable. I'm happy with my choice.
0: And has anyone ever been so intimidated by the idea of going on a date with you that they've actually like turned down the date knowing that you're sober?
1: Yeah, I've had, I was messaging this one guy um, and everything was going really well and he was a friend of a friend and I knew that his best mate was sober um, and this guy that I was messaging, like what was drinking, um, was a drinker and I was like, oh like that's pretty cool, like his best mate's sober so he'll be really cool with it and then we started chatting and he was like every time he was messaging me it was like 11 o'clock he's like hey like I'm out the boys drinking and I'm like yeah cool don't care um (laughs) like no interest in messaging you at 11 o'clock let's go on a date and I when I started talking about that I was sober that he yeah stopped replying and that was it and it was like really frustrating because I'm like your best mate literally doesn't drink and you go out with him all the time like why is it different for me and why should it be different for your partner? Um, so that was that's really that was hard, like not hard, I guess, like you know, just frustrating, really. Like you haven't even taken the time to get to know me, and I get that it can make people feel a little awkward, but have a conversation with me first before we add all these judgments on top.
0: Yeah, it's so true, and it's like such a shame that people feel like they place so much importance on being able to drink with the person that they're on a date with, like that somehow impacts the date, you know, like yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. so interesting. So how do you calm the pre-date nerves without alcohol?
1: So previously I would have a whiskey. Um, I was part of that <laughs> 33% group that used to drink before, before a date. So that was like, um, when I gave up drinking, I had, I was, I was sober for five weeks and then we went into lockdown. So I didn't have that social pressure to to drink, which was great. But then once we started getting back out there and I'm based in Geelong, so we had a bit more, um, we were allowed to do a bit more than Melbourne was allowed to. So I was starting to go on dates and I was like, oh, what do I do? And I started to sit with it. And that's something that I found being sober is that You literally have to sit with your feelings instead of numbing them, and that's like such a big process to get used to. Like I was constantly numbing my feelings, whether it was like nerves or having a bad day or having a good day. Like alcohol was always there for me. So for for sitting with my feelings now is that I always make sure I've exercised in the morning to get rid of like some of that like hyped up energy. But then it's just focusing on enjoying it. I think it's such a beautiful thing to feel into. Um, what we're doing in our lives, which can sound silly, but meeting someone new is exciting and we we should enjoy the, the nerves that come with it. And I feel that when we were kids and like being set up on a play date, the kids would be always awkward like that first 30 minutes and then after the 30 minutes, like all these random kids are playing together and having the best time. And it's just, yeah, like biology showing you, Hey, this is a new environment. We're going to be like a little bit nervous and a little bit awkward just to make sure that we're safe. And then we're just going to ease into it. And I've taken that along with me in my sober journeys that, Hey, you know, before a date is going to be a little awkward until like, you know, we get a couple of conversations into it. So I think that we just have to understand that, You know, that that nerves are a good thing and it just shows you that there is excitement for that person that you are going to meet.
0: I have actually never thought of that before, but that comparison to playdates as a kid is so accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's completely normal and of course you're like a little bit shy or reserved or awkward in the beginning, but then like you said, it wears off once you break down those barriers. But yeah, that's a really great comparison. So I found that often people who don't smoke don't like to date people who smoke. I was once a smoker and people who didn't smoke was like, it's disgusting, it's a hard no for me. And we obviously touched on this, but can you date someone who drinks or is a big drinker or has been sober completely narrowed the dating pool for you now?
1: If I'm only looking at someone's dating profile on an app and their personality is surrounded by binge drinking and they're like, oh, looking for a woman that can keep up, like, No, that's like, I won't swipe right on them because I know our values aren't aligned. Like, you know, past Sam would have been into that binge drinking culture. But for me now, like, I'm not looking for a mate to get pissed with. I'm looking for like deep connections with someone. So in a way, I would say that I've narrowed my dating pool, but I don't see that as a negative. It's rather I'm picking from a pool of people where my values are aligned with.
0: A hundred percent. But even, like, when I've gone through some of my biggest drinking phases, a profile like that still wouldn't appeal to me because I feel like it's not healthy to, like, want to just get wasted in your free time 24-7, you know?
1: Yeah, Um, I completely agree.
0: So having sex for the first time with someone new is exciting but can be awkward and nerve-wracking. And alcohol is known for the way it relaxes people and lowers their inhibitions. What has sober sex been like? assuming you've oh, had sober I, sex.
1: I have, I have, I got lucky. Um, so I, I love sex. I'm very sex positive And that's something that's definitely a part of my identity and that I chat with my mates about all the time. So I was, was a bit stressed. I've had, um, you know, been in relationships before. So I have had sober sex before going, um, fully sober now, but it's got better. Like it, I've learned that to be so much more confident in the bedroom because I am so aware of how I'm feeling and I'm so connected to my body is that I'm feeling more comfortable to raise my voice and say what I like and what I don't like and I've been more focused on exploring my own sexuality so like me personally with self-pleasure and then you know with drunk sex it's just so sloppy and I'm less I was less likely to orgasm and I'd be focusing on the other person's pleasure over mine and now I get to be fully present during sex and yeah raise my voice which is something I'm still learning to do but I'm getting better and better at it
0: yeah I love how you say that you know drunk sex is so sloppy I recently came across the term whiskey dick. (laughs) oh my god yes i've heard that (laughs) too and i feel like so many men struggle to like perform when they're drunk so i don't even really know what the appeal is other than the fact that they're just like hiding their anxiety yeah you know um
1: what is the point of drunken when it stands right (laughs) right
0: but do you think it's lessened your sexual desire without beer goggles
1: Yeah. So I I really was worried it would, but it hasn't been the case for me. Um, Sex has always been a big part of my life, but it has changed how I get sex though. Like I was the type of person that would have a one night stand and then sort of like keep that guy around um, for a while and, you know, end up being like my little fuck buddy. And that was great. I guess that's what I thought was great at the time. But really I was going out, getting someone that was sloppy and then saying, oh, that'll do for the time being to, to get my needs sorted. So I have found it harder to get that sort of person in my life, but it's been more about quality over quantity for me. So the, the sexual desire absolutely is, it's, I reckon it's even more than, than previous Um, just because I feel like I'm, yeah, I think because I'm so in touch with myself and there's no moments where I'm numbing myself is that I'm stuck with my thoughts all day like I'm so in tune with who I am as a person and and what I want that um that's great but it's finding a person that meets those needs has been harder because there's yeah there's no way that I'm taking a drunk person home on a night out
0: yeah love that so would you say you engage in less risky sexual behavior now
1: yeah definitely like at those one night as I said the one night stands don't happen anymore um and like because I think it's gross and also a person that's drunk like cannot give consent to sex and also like sober sex means that I'm not being swayed into guys being like oh I don't want to use a condom it doesn't feel good like it's a hard no like it's not on it's not on why so do they always I'm, try that like oh seriously gosh, so frustrating every time so frustrating
0: every time so do you get any form of performance anxiety now, or like, are you ever body conscious? Uh,
1: I Actually, I'm not. Like, I'm I'm really proud to say that. And it's not that I'm fully confident 24 seven. I just like love myself sick, but it's just that- if <laughs> What's your I'm secret? Crap, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I am, you know, I really like my body. I love what it gives me. I love what it does to me. And if I'm bringing someone home to the bedroom, they're lucky. And like, I want them to be there and I want them to experience all of me. So I'm focused on, um, you know, I guess I'm more focused on who I'm bringing home than what we're going to do. Like if I'm bringing home someone that I like and I see value in, then that's ticked my box for me to feel confident.
0: Definitely. And so there's been plenty of times when I went on dates with men where we drank a lot of alcohol and they were like super insistent on sleeping with me and oftentimes even became aggressive You mentioned this before, but do you think we can blame things like sexual pressure or lack of sexual consent on things like alcohol use?
1: Like alcohol on its own, I don't think is a causative factor for sexual assault but it acts to influence behaviour in relation to sexual interactions and alcohol reduces our mind's ability to assess situations because it lowers our risk tolerance, lowers our inhibitions. So that means you may say yes to things that you wouldn't say yes to if you were sober. Like I know I've woken up the next day and being like, oh my God, why do I sleep with this person? Why am I waking up with this next per- like this person next to me? And that's because I wouldn't have said yes if I was sober. There's no way I would have taken that person home with them if I was sober so it it is like alcohol um I don't think fully to blame but it absolutely plays a part with you know lack of consent and the, and this pressure to have sex with someone
0: how crazy is that so does like yes still mean yes if you are intoxicated then should we just ban drunk sex altogether
1: yeah I think we should um If you are drunk, you are not of sound mind. So there's no way that you can give consent at all. Like, yeah, it's... It's so wild, isn't it? It is. It is. Maybe it's like no one-night
0: stands if you're drunk. But obviously, if you're, like, seeing that person, you trust that person, there's already a level of intimacy, then, yeah, maybe a little bit of liquid courage helps. But, yeah, just meeting somebody on the night when you're intoxicated, perhaps it's not the best decision in that yeah, moment. Yeah it's,
1: yeah. it's definitely not, like, a safe option. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah, when you don't know that person and when, yeah, you do have alcohol in your body.
0: And why would it be fu- Like, I've heard so many stories from friends where they're like, I was drunk on a date and I took this guy home or I went home with this guy. We had and now I feel awful this morning, I've blocked him and I don't want to hear from him again. Surely that's not nice for the guy either, you know? Like,
1: You don't want to be known as that guy that's pressuring women or into doing something they don't want to do. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So dating apps like Match, Bumble, OkCupid and Hinge have profile features where you can indicate whether you drink or not. I think I was actually using Hinge when this was a thing. And what's interesting is that I've read the percentage of users marking sometimes is rising as yes declines. Are you on the app?
1: I have noticed that.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I've noticed that. So in my, I'll be two years sober in uh, Feb. Wow, congratulations. And I've completely noticed. Thank you. um, I've noticed it. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not tracking the data, Um, (laughs) but like the people that I'm swiping, I'm like, there's so many more sometimes than yes, as used to be two years ago.
0: That is crazy. So do you advertise whether you drink or not on your profile?
1: So I've recently deleted Hinge in the last like week or two, um, just because I find that it's too busy to date over the Christmas period. Yeah, But it depends on how I'm feeling. So last time I was um, on the apps probably be, I was on there for like, two or three months. I didn't have it on there. So I didn't um, even have the, what's it, the drinking drugs or smoking show up on my profile. Like I just had that hidden. And the reason for this is because when I was a drinker, I would judge people on their sober status and I don't think that meant that I was a bad person at all it just meant that I was not educated in this area and I do want to give people the benefit of the doubt and not let them judge my profile before getting to know me so that's why I do have it and I do have it off my profile but as soon as we start chatting and the possibility of um, going to a bar or going on a date like I'll absolutely tell them that I'm sober Um, if we connect on social media like on my personal Instagram page, it says that I'm the founder of Sober Mate. So they work it out pretty quickly as well. So I don't like, I just find that if I've got being sober on my profile is that people form that to be my whole identity when it's just one part of who I am.
0: Yeah, so interesting. My uh, dating profile must have been terrifying then because I think I listed that I was a non drinker and then that I was spiritual and also a cat owner. So, guys must have just been
1: like <laughs> red flags
0: all around over here. <laughs> um, so, if there was a sober dating app though, would you use it instead of more traditional apps? Is this something that you're working on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's like sober events. But um, if there was an app, I would absolutely try it out. Um, I'm not sure, like depending on the app and how many people were on it, whether or not it would sway me to use them more than the other popular dating apps because we do have those options to show that we're sober on them now. And to be honest, I'm all about, you know, filtering through like the largest range of people to find my person. And I feel in our age group that we're still learning how to look after our bodies and our mental health and the sobriety movement. Yeah. Like, yes, it's happening, but it's slow. So if I'm talking to people that are drinkers, like I don't hold any judgment over whether they're a drinker or not. And I'm happy to be that person to talk about why I'm sober and bring the conversation to those that are still drinking and the, point for me talking about this with others is that you know it's not I don't um, place judgment on you but I do want you to have that option to explore your relationship with alcohol because I don't believe that in our society that we're given the option to explore we're just like handed a drink at 18 and we're like all right here you go you're a part of society now we don't step back and be like oh what's alcohol actually doing to us
0: A hundred percent. And it was so interesting. When I was researching this episode, I came across the term alcohol use disorder, which, as I'm sure you know, includes alcohol abuse, alcohol dependence and alcoholism. The idea is that people who abuse alcohol often drink as a coping mechanism to de-stress, escape reality or numb emotional pain. And what was interesting is that one-third of American adults are excessive drinkers. I know that excessive drinking is completely normalised where I've grown up, and I'm curious to know why you think Australia has one of the most prominent binge drinking cultures in the world.
1: Yeah, so I think our binge drinking culture is so glorified. And, yeah, as you were saying, it does show that it's more socially acceptable to get blackout drunk than to rock up to a party sober. Like, we view drinking and I think this is the, the point that we we need to understand is that Australia, we view drinking as a way to encourage social activity. That if you're not drinking, that, you know, you're not up for a good time. We've guilted each other into thinking that this is the only way to socialise and the without booze that, you know, you're not in with the co- group. And this has led to intergenerational peer uh, peer pressure to drink. And I do believe we're slowly starting to curb this behaviour, but we're just so casual towards our attitude towards drinking. And- the, the, with the peer pressure it's like all right well we like you know humans we'd love to be included we'd love to be a part of a community that you know people do fall to this peer pressure but with this casual attitude towards drinking becomes the rise of like alcohol related problems of like binge drinking and alcohol-fueled violence and numerous health problems as well. It's so true.
0: I just had a memory of New Year's Eve last year and I wasn't drinking. I was going through one of my non-drinking patches and I think I didn't drink for like nine months or something and everyone at the table on New Year's Eve was pressuring me to have a drink. And I was like, but guys, I'm having a great time. Like I don't need a wine or a Mm -hmm. cocktail to enjoy your company and it's seriously (laughs) concerning that you do. So what can we do to change the culture for the better?
1: Yeah, the peer pressure is the big one. um, And my friends know that I'm sober and they don't peer pressure me to drink, but my acquaintances and when I'm out, they're like, I'll be at the club till like one in the morning. Like I still love to go out and I'll be with someone that I sort of know and they know that I'm sober and they'll be like, Hey, just have one. And I was like, nah like I'm not just gonna have a <laughs> shot with you at one in the morning on a Saturday night after I've been sober for almost two years but nice try bud yeah. um, so I think and <laughs> like what difference does pressure- it make to them like why oh is that God. like an achievement yeah. or a goal yeah. sobriety isn't the norm yet and when we're going out drinking we're showing people that we I don't know why we've got to prove ourselves, but like, you know, I'm going out, I'm having a good time. If I'm out at two in the morning at the clubs and people are like, oh, like, cause whenever I go out and they don't have alcohol free options that are great, I'll always have a soda water in a wine glass. And just cause I like holding a wine glass. And I think marketing has got into my head that it's romantic to hold a wine glass. <laughs> but um, people like will come up to me and be like, Hey Sam, I thought you were sober. And I was like, I am like, I'm just having a soda water." But they I don't like I don't know if like people wanna see me fail or if they they just um, you know it's a reflection on on their behavior as well. Like I'm not making any judgments on what people are doing, but when some when people see me out drinking, it, it is a reflection of what they're doing because it is hard to see someone going out sober that's still there with them at two in the morning when they have, you know, taken on all this alcohol, they know they're gonna feel crap the next day and they've just wasted their Sunday. Um, And it does take time for that to sink in. And and I was that person, like when I was drinking is that I'd make judgment on, on, you know, my friends that were going out, like, come on, like, just have one. Like, why wouldn't you want to drink with me? I thought like, you know, I wanted them to be included, but also I felt left out that they could be sober and I couldn't be.
0: Yeah. I feel like it challenges them, you know, and oftentimes people don't like to be challenged. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think parents should normalise alcohol by drinking with their children like they do in Europe?
1: I'm not a parent. um, So (laughs) I'm only going to talk from experience as being raised in a big drinking family. And I wasn't allowed to drink until I was 18. I definitely snuck around and probably started drinking when I was 14. Um, But what I learnt from my parents is that we were the party household. So we literally had a bar in our house that was like stocked like a normal bar. Like we always had people over. Um, everyone was always drinking and doing shots and they made it look so enticing. Like I could not wait to be included in it from an early age. Um, and you know, incorrectly, I learned that if you're not up for a drunken good time, then you're not fun and you're going to end up being peer pressured into it anyway. So for parents I think they've got this wonderful opportunity to teach kids that just because you're an adult doesn't mean the only way to socialise is with alcohol Um, and showing that alcohol doesn't have to be the centre focus for all social catch-ups that it really should be just about connecting with your mates and, and family.
0: Your parents must find you so alien. They're like, like the, you're like the black sheep of the family <laughs> they have a bar in their home and you're like sorry guys fu- I'm sober <laughs> I'm done I'm done
1: my parents are early really retirement supportive. with alcohol <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah really early my mum actually and a lot of people when I tell like the story that I come from a big drinking family my mum actually doesn't drink she gave up drinking when she was 26 which is the same age I was when I gave up which is really funny wow. but um Yeah. So it didn't sit well with her. So my mum's a Fiji Indian and alcohol just never sat right in her body. So she gave up. And then my dad grew up in the country. Like I grew up in a town of a thousand people. So country girl at heart and there's that big peer pressure to drink. And the, I, there was peer pressure from my family and with would peer pressure our mates and that was normalized in our town um and in our community but it's interesting the change now and I guess you know we get to this age where we start like be- becoming the parent like educating our parents totally and I've had so many co- yeah like had so many conversations with my dad regarding this and um you know, my, my goal is not to get anyone sober or anything like that. It's, that's up to them, but it's to reflect on the choices they're making and their relationship with alcohol. And we were at our holiday house last year and my dad came home from like a shopping trip um, it just got into the next town and he came in and he was so excited he's like hey Sam like I bought this board game for the holiday house I was like oh cool and he's like I was gonna buy like he's like oh I was gonna buy a drinking game but I thought we don't need that so I got us a board game instead and I was like oh my heart taps. this is growth <laughs> this is growth I love it <laughs> that is amazing so your yeah. your
0: parents dynamic is interesting to me because I know a lot of partners <laughs> really interesting yeah, yeah but I know a lot of partners who voice how frustrating it is when their partner doesn't like to drink as much as them or even like how annoyed they get when they don't like to have a glass of wine each night with
1: them. So
0: do you think this means the couple is incompatible?
1: I don't believe that you're incompatible, but it does mean there needs to be an open conversation on this topic and learning about the reasons why your partner doesn't want to drink and really taking that in and not just brushing it off. Um, cause it's frustrating on both sides. Like it's frustrating to the drinker and the non drinker and, um, you know, peer pressure tactics can be really hurtful. And just because that person, doesn't want to drink it doesn't mean they don't want to wind down with you on a Friday afternoon or talk about the frustrations of your day they just don't need um an alcoholic beverage to do this like when I'm um like for me at the end of my work week I still have a wine on a Friday but I just make sure it's alcohol free um so I can still like have that placebo effect and, you know, one day I may share that those times with a partner. But I think the, the main thing is that you've, you've got to have that open conversation because you guys getting frustrated with each other um, and not talking about it is only going to blow up when that person starts drinking and then they're making riskier choices and they're more likely to cause an argument. To like, oh, come on, like have a drink with me when you're not going to get through to a drunk person anyway. It's so
0: true and I was actually thinking why don't more partners just have a non-alcoholic beverage? And then I was like, maybe there's something behind their partner actually wanting them to actually get drunk with them. It's not about just enjoying the moment of having a drink together. It's the process of getting tipsy or drunk, which is just so foreign to me, like why that's an important activity. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like I found, um, you know, I used to go drinking with like one bestie and we'd go out and have a, have a great time until the next day. Um, but now, like, I just find it easier to go out in groups because if I'm hanging out with drinkers, it's putting them in a really vulnerable situation because I'm sober, I'm going to remember everything that they said and done. Um, but if they're hanging around other drinkers, they can just, you know, have a comparison of, of each other and they're all going to be at that same level. But if they're one-on-one with a sober person They know that they're like slurring their words or starting to make sillier choices and more likely to embarrass themselves. So they are in a vulnerable state. So I do get that other side of hanging out with a sober person that it can be quite confronting. Um, True. But it just means that, you know, maybe you only have one or two um, instead of, and, you know, that's not an easy choice to make because I I, co- I couldn't moderate. And that's why I had to go <laughs> get off it. Um, Same.
0: There's no moderation with me. It's either cold turkey no or I'm no. getting drunk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 There's no in between.
0: So what advice do you have for women who don't want to drink as much as their partner? Is it just have that conversation like you mentioned before? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is have that conversation. And the other thing is like having, and if it's not triggering for you, because it can be for some people, is have alcohol-free drinks in your house already. Like make it a fun thing. Like you can get like alcohol-free spirits and make your own cocktails with your partner and make it into something that's fun and enjoyable that you can do together if they're still wanting to drink. You can make, someone can make a cocktail and someone can make a mocktail and make it fun. But yeah, the main thing is like we've just, got to remove alcohol for being such a taboo topic. Like it's something that's so embedded into our culture, yet we don't have these conversations enough. Like we don't reflect, we don't have conversations with our partner on what our values are with our drinking behaviour. So if we have these honest conversations, then we are able to get to a, um, you know, a better place. No, it's so true. And there's been somebody that I was like seeing recently and I'm
0: still seeing. And I remember once we kind of went through that, the first month or two of getting to know each other where we were actually drinking uh, like frequently, I messaged him and I was like, how do you feel about me not drinking so much anymore? And he was like, completely fine. And I was like, I felt like so relieved after having had that conversation.
1: Yeah. I remember telling, um, so when I was going sober, I was in an off and on again thing with this guy. And once I was, I think like three or four months sober, I ended up having a phone call with him and chatting about it. And he felt so much relief. Like he was a drinker but not really a big drinker and um, he was like so proud of me because he knows like how much I wasn't coping with drinking and how I was getting wasted too much so even though um, you know that repl- relationships ended it was nice to have that conversation afterwards and sort of discuss about like I didn't know how much my alcohol was affecting him he didn't voice that to me but he obviously was struggling with it because he are not having that conversation afterwards so it was really <laughs> nice after the fact to have that combo as well.
0: Definitely. And what tips do you have for people interested in giving up alcohol either temporarily or permanently?
1: Yeah. So e- either way, like you need to decide that you are taking a break and there is never going to be a right time. Like there's always going to be a wedding or a birthday or some sort of celebration. There um, is never coming up. a so right just, time. Never. Never. <laughs> never. Like when I gave up, drinking um, after my mate's hens, I heard a wedding five weeks later. Like yeah. there's, there's never going to be a good time. So it's just, it's purely about making um, a decision for yourself. Um, and if you feel comfortable, like telling a circle, I found that really like surprisingly good because I told them how much it was negatively affecting my mental health that they got it and they weren't going to peer pressure me into drinking. So that was really good. And then it's really about changing your mindset so for me like when I was toying with the idea of sobriety over that 18 months like I'd take a month off here and there but what I would do is just move all my social catch-ups to the following month so I'm like oh like can we catch up next month because I'm not drinking this month and then everyone does to go that
0: out, oh my I god know. when they're doing dry dry yeah. or like dry jam yep. or something they're like sorry I can't see yeah. you this entire month because I'm not drinking I'm like what
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. And then if I was forced to go out, I would be like, oh, everyone's having fun without me. I'm going to have a crap time or I'd end up drinking anyway. Like, so what, what I found, and this is why it stuck for me and I, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was in that gray area of drinking is that I needed to work on my mindset. So, learning um, about what alcohol does to me, why, like learning about the cultural reasons about why we think we drink when really we don't need to. There's an amazing book, uh, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, of course, check out Soapmates. We've got some wonderful content there <laughs> as well. But it's about changing changing your habits. So if you do um, usually have a wine on a Friday, making sure there's alcohol-free wine in, in the fridge. If you usually like... Sit on a certain chair when you're drinking like this couch sofa, move it to a different area. It's about changing your habits um, and like organising your life to make it as easy as possible so that, you know, you're not, um, yeah, you're not influenced into having a drink when you're trying to take a break. But yeah, main points, decide that you're taking a break, educate yourself and then work on changing your habits to look after yourself.
0: And so what are some sober dates that you can recommend? Because like I, ha- I remember once this guy recommended we meet at 7 a.m. for breakfast on a Saturday. <laughs> and I am a nighttime <laughs> person. I was like, I yeah. want to die. This is so not romantic. Like this is aggressive. <laughs> uh, so yeah, any sober date recommendations that don't involve having breakfast at 7 a.m.? <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I'm a morning person, so oh. I little love that date. So <laughs> 7 a.m., really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I caught up with my friend for a coffee at 6.30 yesterday because I'm that busy. I'm like, you need to meet me at 6.30 or we can't catch up for the next two weeks. So No, no, no. I don't like happen. to talk to humans before 9 a.m. <laughs> I remember to message you, like, after 5 p.m. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> no morning dates. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I guess it's like this is the most basic, and I know it's been so overdone in lockdown, but I seriously love walking dates. Like, you don't have to stare at them across from a table. You get to be distracted by all the cute doggos in the park um, when you're out in fresh air. But if we do want to have something a little bit more planned now that we're out of lockdown, enjoying um, ourselves out, yeah, well, out in public, um, I do love activity based dates, which I do sometimes find awkward to organize for a first day because I feel like there's a bit of peer pressure but if you have been talking to a person for a while like mini golf like um driving range I love going on hikes and my favorite at the moment is going to like oh, you're gonna hate this because it's morning yeah. <laughs> but going going to a market like the farmer's markets on a Saturday and Sunday morning because like I feel you no, learn okay. I love a lot from I could wrap my head around that. You you could do that at 11. Like you don't have to go there at seven. It's fine. True. Um, But I I like um, seeing how – the person interacts with stallholders um, in crowds and what they buy. Like, I think it's like a really cool insight. And then if anyone's taking me on a date, um, I love going swimming. So take me to the beach.
0: Talk me through that because I find it also so aggressive to like basically get naked on a first I know. date. It's like, hi, this is all the- of me, flaws and all. How are this you? Is all <laughs> of it. Yeah. yeah,
1: I remember the first time... I went on a swimming first date. I was like, Sam, what are you doing, girl? Like, you're giving it all away. Um, <laughs> but I, like, I swim every second day. I'm always down at the beach, so I'm quite comfortable being in a bikini because that's pretty much my uniform. Um, so I do understand that, that like, it can be very confronting. Yeah. But if you want to, like, take a step back from that, just have a picnic at the beach and then wear a cute dress and dip your toes in that can, that counts as a swimming date, right?
0: Yeah, no, I can wrap my head around a picnic at the beach. Yeah, you can do a picnic. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's close (laughs) enough. So this podcast is all about creating the manual for the modern woman. What is one piece of advice you wish you knew
1: earlier? So in relation to sobriety, uh, I wish that I'd made the right choices for myself and not worrying about what other people think. I would have got sober a lot earlier and I don't regret um, my journey at all, but I have been so focused on being a people pleaser and that doesn't work for anyone. And not so much advice, but what I've known earlier, something that I live by is if you don't ask, you don't get. And I tell that to every single person I know. It's been the best lot of advice for me, um, getting what I want in life. I love
0: that. Yes, Definitely. And I feel like so many people, yeah, they're too scared to ask.
1: So that's a really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the answer is always no. Yeah, exactly. If you don't
1: shoot your shot right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 100%. Cheesy, but great. <laughs> so what is next <laughs> for you and Sober Mates? Okay. So for me personally, I am super, super excited. I have purchased my own apartment um, Congratulations. in July. Oh, my gosh. Thank that's major. You. Yeah. So I move in next month. So I just um, created a Facebook event with 20 of my mates to help me move yesterday, so I'm not sure how they, how much they're excited for me to move. I have never yeah, heard I, of that before, and why oh have I not God. done that before? <laughs> like, guys, like, I've got this amazing I'm, event. Yeah. You're all invited.
0: You're helping me move.
1: <laughs> yeah, my friend sent me a screenshot. She's like, I thought this was a movie night, not a moving night. I'm like, no, honey, you're coming after work on a Thursday to help me back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. Like you yeah. said, if you don't ask,
0: you won't get what you want. <laughs> don't get.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh! Have I'm they surprised. all been like, paid? <laughs> I've got, I've got fifteen yeses. Oh my like, god! I've just, yeah, I don't know how that's happened. So your friends I'm are stoked. so much nicer think, than me. I would have
0: changed my name and moved countries. No, no, <laughs> there's
1: nothing cute no, about moving. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I don't even think my apartment can fit fifteen people. In it, so <laughs> we'll just see how that works. But anyway, um, yeah, like I'm super proud. Like I, I know I wouldn't have bought my own home this early in my life if I was still drinking and being so reckless with my money. So I'm, I'm really happy and really excited uh, for the next stage of my life and have a place to call home. And then for Sober Mates in 2022, we are like ramping things up events wise. Um, so there'll be lots of catch ups across Australia. And then, you know, maybe like a sober singles night as well. So watch out for that.
0: Oh, I love that. Will you be doing any events in Sydney?
1: Yes, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up soon.
0: Yeah, I look forward to it. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on Single at 30. It was amazing to talk to you today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this Single at 30 bonus episode, How to Date Without Alcohol with Sobermates founder, Sam Wilson. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. To all my modern women, I would like to wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you all stay safe over the holiday period. And please keep an eye out for the next bonus app featuring an incredible female entrepreneur that will be dropping before the new year. If you have any questions, feedback, or even an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30, or join the Single at 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together.